hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us wherever it is that you're tuning in from. At Highway, we believe that as followers of Jesus, we're called to live as sent missionaries in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these. And community plays a vital role in that. If you want to join us as we live into Jesus's greatest commandment, to love God with our whole selves and to love our neighbors as ourselves, you can head over to highway.org and click Engage in the upper right-hand corner to connect with our different ministry areas. Or click Connect to reach out to one of our pastors with a question or a prayer request. Whether you're here in the Bay Area or not, we'd love to connect with you. Well, this morning, we're continuing in our Advent series called A Great Light, where each week we've been exploring the themes of the candles of Advent. As we enter into Highway Volume 2, uh, we want to just come back through some of these practices that we've done for a long time and reset for us why they're important, what we hope they do in us. And, and so this Advent season, we've been looking at the practice of lighting the candles. And spoiler alert, when we get to Lent in March, we'll spend some time working through the Stations of the Cross as a way to recenter us as a church community in these really important seasons. Because look, we, we live in a time and truthfully in a place that's so in love with what's new and what's next. And, and while those are great things, uh, there's something really beautiful and there's something really grounding about stepping into something that's ancient, something that people have been doing for a long time that we did not come up with ourselves. It helps to form humility in us as we step into and place ourselves underneath these practices that we didn't create. And, and these practices also help reset our perspective. And with everything that happens in our own lives, like, and certainly with the way the pandemic has escalated that for the last two years, these practices help us step out of just the here and now. When we light these candles we're joining followers of Jesus who have been doing this same practice for hundreds of years. And as we light the candle today, we're joining followers of Jesus all around the world who are doing the very same thing in homes, in cathedrals, in country churches, in big cities, and small villages. These practices help reset our perspective, remind us to lift our eyes up out of just the here and now. See, the women and men who came before us knew that this was good for us, knew that there were things that we needed to be reminded of at least once a year. And so each candle we light leads us back into these important truths, that for all the darkness that we may experience or that exists in our world, that hope is found in the fact that Jesus came, the light that not only shines in the darkness, but that no darkness can overcome. And the truth that we don't have to make peace for ourselves, that we don't have to control our circumstances or calm everything down around us and make things how we want them to be in order to find it, that there is a kind of peace that surpasses all understanding that we just receive, that God actually forms in us and keeps our minds just held there when we fix our eyes on him. And the truth that there is more than just happiness more than just a feeling that comes and goes with our experiences. But there is a deep, lasting joy found in the presence of God that abides with us through all circumstances and in all things. And after lighting those candles of hope, the candle of peace, and the candle of joy, 
This week, we light the candle of good news, or the angel's candle. As we consider the angel's encounter with Mary and Mary's song in response, I think we'll find both comforting and challenging reminders. And my prayer for us this morning is that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the light of good news. As we turn into our passage this morning, would you pray with me? God, that is my prayer, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your good news that shines its light into the world and into our lives. We love you. Would you give us capacity to hear what you have to say to us this morning? We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. If you've got a copy of the scriptures with you, please turn or tap your way to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start today by looking at an encounter that Mary has with the angel Gabriel. And we're talking about the angel's candle, the candle of good news, uh, also sometimes called the Annunciation candle, because that's what we see the angels doing in and around the story of Jesus's birth. They're messengers with important information. Our family ministry team gave out a book a few years back that walked kids through the Christmas story, and I loved how the authors described the angels, that everything was quiet, and then whoosh, this angel showed up, and then whoosh, the angel went over there, and then whoosh, the angels appear to the shepherds. I think that's part of why they're always showing up saying, don't be afraid, because they just whoosh in out of nowhere. In and around the story of Jesus' birth, the angels are messengers with important information. And what I want us to remember today as we look at this passage is that these were announcements that broke hundreds of years of silence, that it had been 400 years of waiting since the prophets had gone quiet, since someone spoke anointed by the Holy Spirit on God's behalf to his people. And I wonder what that experience was like. I wonder what questions it led the Jewish people to ask. You know those passages from the Old Testament prophets that we love so much this time of year? You know, on this side of history? I wonder how those passages felt as they were read aloud in synagogues and in the temple during that time. These passages that said that there would be a day when God would make a new covenant with his people in Jeremiah 31. Those passages about a people walking in darkness, that they would see a great light, that a child would be born and establish a kingdom that would never end and be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9. Passages about a king who was also a suffering servant, a king who would take up their pain and bear their suffering so that by his wounds they might be healed in Isaiah 53. Yeah, I wonder how those passages felt as they were read aloud. In a time with no prophets, when the Roman Empire had taken over, when God had been so quiet for so long, it must have seemed so far away. I wonder what good news they were waiting for. I wonder if they'd given up in the waiting. See, it's into this context that the angel Gabriel appears to Mary with a message, with an announcement. Good news is finally coming. Let's read together Luke 1, starting in verse 26. 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Luke is taking off some Old Testament prophecy boxes here since the Messiah was supposed to come from the family line of King David. Luke's put that front and center here as he writes his account. And then, whoosh, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Yeah, I would too. The angel's whooshing into my house. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. If the angel's message stops here, this is not good news. At least for Mary. Surprise! You're going to be pregnant out of wedlock, and the guy you're engaged to isn't the dad. Hooray! Merry Christmas! We'll talk about that more in a bit. But the angel's message doesn't stop here. Continuing in verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. See, this is no ordinary baby. This is the Messiah, the promised king the maker of the new covenant, the one who will establish God's kingdom of love and justice and peace that will last forever. The wait is over. It's quite a way to break the silence. Continuing in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I love this question. It's so practical. It's so honest. And I love how this question is received and responded to. There's no, how dare you? There's no, why don't you just trust what I said? I'm an angel after all. Mary's question is met with a response that honors her. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I want to read that last verse one more time. No word from God will ever fail. See, circumstances may change. And people will let us down. We will struggle. Things will not go how we wanted them to. But no word from God will ever fail. The good news that Gabriel brings is that God is faithful to his promises. That God does what he says he will do. And we can see that now. That God's made a new covenant with his people. 
that there is, in fact, a light that no darkness can overcome, that Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth and is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace, that Jesus took up our pain, bore our suffering so that by his wounds we might be healed. No word from God will ever fail. God is faithful to his promises. This is what we remember as we light the candle of good news, and we can see that now. But what about then? What about after 400 years of silence with so much going wrong in the midst of so much waiting? It's easy to rest in the truth that God is faithful to his promises when they've already been fulfilled. That actually doesn't take any faith or require any trust at all because it's already happened. But here's what I want us to see this morning. The good news that Gabriel brings to Mary is an announcement that wasn't done yet. It was an announcement that God was setting in motion through Mary what the world had been waiting for. For God's kingdom to come to earth through this baby that she would carry and deliver and nurture and raise. See, the good news isn't an instant fix. The good news is Emmanuel, God with us. The good news is God's kingdom continuing to take root here in our world and in our lives. God being faithful to his promises, doing what he said he would do. And in that way, the good news is ongoing. It's still happening It's not finished yet. And so this morning, if the idea of good news feels like an announcement about something that hasn't happened yet, that you're still waiting for, if you find yourself in the in-between time, in the silence, in the darkness this Advent season, let me offer some reminders about good news from our passage today. May they be like light in the darkness to us as we light the candle of good news. The first thing that we're reminded of is that God is present and active in the midst of waiting and hardship. Just because things are hard, just because we've been waiting a long time, doesn't mean that God has forgotten us or won't be faithful to his promises to be with us and for his kingdom to come. It just might not be right now. Gabriel appeared to Mary after 400 years of prophetic silence. After Israel had been conquered by the Roman Empire. And their history really had been a dumpster fire for quite some time even before that. There were centuries on centuries on centuries of disappointment and heartache. And in long seasons like that, it's so easy to think that God is absent, that God doesn't care, that we are on our own. But this morning, let's remember Gabriel's announcement still came. After silence and sorrow and loss, and so much waiting, 
And I'm sure so much kicking and screaming and God, where are you? And fine, we're just going to do things our way. Let's remember Gabriel's announcement still came. Because God is faithful to his promises. For those who are in waiting this morning, God has not left you. So we light the candle of good news. May that truth comfort you and lift your eyes up in the midst of your waiting. God is present and active in the midst of waiting and hardship. And God works in ways that we don't expect. In verse 26, Luke tells us that Mary was from Nazareth. In first century Palestine, Nazareth was nowheresville. No one would be looking for the Messiah to come from there. Years later, it's kind of the ultimate low blow. As Jesus is calling his disciples, we find this little interaction in John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Shots fired, Nathanael. Shots fired. Here's what I want us to see this morning. That when the good news, whether that's the good news of God's presence with us or the good news of God's kingdom coming in our world and in our lives, when the good news comes from unexpected places, in unexpected people, or through unexpected circumstances, we can miss it. That's why I said at the beginning of our time together, that my prayer for us has been that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear it because we need the help. Mary captures something really powerful in the song that she sings in response to the good news that Gabriel brings her. That song is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. It's called the Magnificat, not to be confused with the Magnificat, although I'm sure that cat is quite magnificent. This song is actually the basis of our candle reading for today. And we'll hear the whole thing then. But for now, I want to focus us in on verses 49 to 53. Read with me. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. These are not just words about how God has interacted with Israel's adversaries throughout history, although it certainly applies there too. This is how God interacted with Israel his covenant people throughout their history. And he did this for a reason. To see their hearts and lives come back in line with his kingdom purposes. To love the Lord their God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love their neighbor as themselves. 
God is faithful to his promises to see his kingdom take root in our world and in our lives. And sometimes that comes in unexpected ways, through unexpected people, through unexpected circumstances. Sometimes, even through circumstances we wouldn't choose on our own. Because sometimes, we are the ones who are proud in our inmost thoughts. Sometimes, we are the ones not using the authority entrusted to us well. And sometimes, we are the ones looking to what we have or what we accomplish to satisfy ourselves. And because God is faithful to his promises to see his kingdom take root in our world and in our lives, in God's kindness, he will humble us. And he will let us feel the ache of emptiness in the midst of all of our stuff because those experiences can lead us to true restoration, to true wholeness, to kingdom life, but only if we can see it. See, I think sometimes when we experience these things, we feel like darkness is closing in around us when instead... It is God's light shining into our darkness. I wonder how many times we've cried out in the midst of those situations, God, save me. And I wonder how many times God has responded, my child, I am. God works in unexpected ways. And if I can, even sometimes in unwanted ways, through things that we wouldn't choose ourselves. And that is good news because God works through those circumstances to see our hearts and lives come back in line with his kingdom purposes. As we light the candle of good news, may it challenge us to look for God's activity in surprising places. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Well, the final thing I want to offer us this morning is on a slightly different note. And that is that there's a cost to bearing the good news into the world. Mary was an unmarried girl who carried a baby that the man she was engaged to didn't father. Gabriel gave no guarantee that Joseph wouldn't leave her or publicly shame her, all of which were to be expected. A pregnancy like this would bring shame on her family. Nazareth was nowheresville. It was a small town. She'd be that girl. And then there's the physical toll of pregnancy on her body. The pain of labor and delivery, of recovery, and the challenges of mothering a young infant all without any of the things that we have today. There was a very real cost for Mary to bear the good news into the world. And yet... Her response, as Gabriel shares all of this with her, is found in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Man, what would happen if we woke up every day and prayed that prayer? And there are countless women and men who have come before us who have. Who have borne the cost in their minds, in their hearts, 
and in their bodies of seeing God's kingdom of love, of justice, of peace, of righteousness, of redemption, of reconciliation, of forgiveness take root in the world. The cost has been real. And yet I'm reminded of the passage in Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. As we light the candle of good news this morning, may it fill us with gratitude for those who chose to bear the cost of the coming kingdom. May their example inspire us to the courage, the endurance, the perseverance, all that comes from love to do the same. And if you find yourself in that place right now, may you know that you're in good company. Good news is here. A light has shined in the darkness. God has been faithful to his promises. In the midst of waiting through difficult circumstances and in unexpected places, may we see that light this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the simple fact that you are with us in and through all things and that you are at work in and through all things. We confess sometimes we don't see it. We confess that sometimes it's really hard to. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. That we would know the good news of your presence. The good news of the continued work of your spirit. To make all things new. To see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen.